Hey everyone, and good morning. Today is February 7th, 2018, and today we're doing a repeat topic on ayahuasca and the role of the shaman. So the word shaman comes from um, the indigenous people. Well, actually, I don't know if that's exactly where it originated, but within how ayahuasca has kind of made its way over to the Western culture. Originally within the cultural context of it um, is the role of the shaman. And the shaman does a lot of different things, including like clearing the energy of the space before ceremony begins, calling in um, spirit guides and animal guides, and you know, however the shaman is actually connected with the spirit world. Um, they will usually call in what they feel that needs to be there that day. Um, they're the ones who often make the medicine, you know, so they're they're interacting with the ayahuasca before anyone drinks it. Um, they're the ones who's deciding, you know, how much is, you know, a good dose for you to take. Um, they're helping you move energy in, in and out of your own body throughout the ceremony. Um, they're, let's see, um, you know, they might have visuals or prophecies at time as to what's going on in your life, or if you're in a group setting, like what's going on in the group's life, um, or as like a collective consciousness almost. Um, and they're really there to protect you, um, from any, you know, from any negative spirits coming in, only allowing um, what's what's positive, you know. Um, that doesn't mean that nothing that's not challenging is going to come up, but definitely, definitely, um, just kind of, kind of almost like a guard, you know, like standing at the door, the spiritual door, and they're making sure like only. Only that will serve the highest good is passing through. Um, the other thing that the shaman does is they sing. They sing the medicine songs, which are, are the caros. Um, and those are usually spiritual hymns that they're singing to protect the group. Um, they also, usually in the Shipibo culture and the Peruvian like um, ayahuasca culture where that all derives from, is they blow a lot of tobacco smoke to kind of clear the air. Um, haven't seen a lot of that here in the West, but then again, I haven't um, observed like a lot of ceremonies um, outside of Arizona. But a lot of people that I've talked to, they don't really mention that. So I don't know if that um, just happens over there, but um, which as I've kind of talked about on here before, as we move from the Western culture to, um, or excuse me, you know, over there, like Peru, over into the Western culture, we're seeing a lot of different things kind of take on new functions or shape shift. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, you know, the thing with the shaman, like if you, if you don't really, some people really just don't are not interested, so to speak, in the role of the shaman and like the tradition and all this stuff. Um, you can still have somebody who's 
a caretaker and a sitter and someone who just knows how to hold space, you know, and to me that's something that I'm more that I'm more interested in because I'm a therapist and I know how to hold space for somebody. And not only that, like I know how important it is to hold space for somebody, meaning like having a human witness to your personal journey is is kind of important. I think it has a lot to do with like that emotional mirroring that sometimes, you know, people who who need deep healing never got. And so it's interesting the how like during ayahuasca ceremonies, like you know, your caretaker can shapeshift. They can become your mom. They can be, it's almost, it's almost like, um, psychodynamic therapy. It's really assisted. <laughs> and if any therapist out there is listening, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, you know, um, yeah, like the, the person can become many people can become a fairy, you know? Um, it all really just depends on, like, you know, like I've said before, like how the medicine decides to work with you. Um, but I think it's, it is really important to have somebody there, um, for many reasons. And I continue to think this is actually one of the most key factors, um, in a journey, um, one of the things that, um, that really interests me is that like how people go to these ceremonies, like in a different country and they meet all these different people and they've never met their caretakers and they're meeting them for the first time and they really expect themselves to go super deep. And I don't know if that's necessarily, I don't know, maybe my mind is like blocking me from saying that, but I almost feel like that's subconsciously impossible for somebody because like you have so much stress going there and then you don't know anybody. Um, I think people usually plan to go with friends that they know so at least there's some sort of safety and comfort but it just blows my mind. So I think in the western model we have, but see, and this is, this is, so in the Shipibo culture like everyone knows each other. You know, but here we are Westerners seeking out this medicine, going to people we don't know. So I think that's where the disconnect is. I was almost going to say dysfunction. I don't think it's dysfunctional, but I think there is this disconnect there. Not that we can't learn from other cultures. That's also not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like building a sense of safety and security to your sitter prior to ceremony, because that's what happens in the Shipibo culture. I mean, these are generations of people who, I mean, this is like an everyday you know, thing for them. Um, so I think in, um, you know, so, cause there's a lot of MDMA trials being run. Right. And so there's therapists, you know, are helping people build relationships and then administering the, the psychedelic assisted treatment, and then they're helping them integrate it. And I mean, honestly, that's what can happen with ayahuasca. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that we can't borrow that same model. You know, um, it doesn't have to be esoteric. It doesn't have to be all of these things. It can be actually whatever the client wants it to be or the, the human, the soul that's sitting with us. You know, if they want to, you know, use archetypes, you know, just 
borrowing from from Carl Jung's theory, you know, in their in their journey, and they want to assign an archetype to the healer, then let them do that. But if not, then that's okay too. So, um, kind of allowing the person to decide all of that, you know. Um, and then, you know, if if the sitter or the caretaker or the you know the shaman, however you want to put it, like has things that they want to tell them that then that maybe they saw or they felt then you know they can do that too um but i think what i'm trying to say is like the main culturally the shaman you know that's the role that they have played um and you know the shamanic culture can also play a role in the western culture i mean shamans you can you can read up on shamanism and you can easily start practicing it you know um i just think one of the things to keep in mind is like establishing a sense of security and safety with the person that you're working with um and so the other role of like the shaman is to like you know if you're kind of like losing grip on reality which you most likely do during a journey and you're freaking out they're there to like ground you and be like hey like everything's gonna be okay you know they kind of like reassure you um um you know you can ask them questions during the journey um usually most shamans are they work as channels you know not everyone believes in that but i certainly think um i mean you can also look as channeling as insight you know, um, perspective. So that is um, yeah, insight and perspective, um, which is important. So, I mean, it, and it's important in the fact that if you're looking for that, you know, if you're not looking for that, then, you know, take it or leave it. Um, but this is why I find establishing a relationship is so important because if if you honestly have a relationship with your caretaker, like you're gonna want their insight. Um, and I know I'm interchangeably using shaman, caretaker, sitter, whatever, but it's really like understanding where this word comes from and understanding it's a practice, but it doesn't have to be the only practice. Um, I, I still believe you can have ceremony without having like the shamanistic traditions, which by the way, does include seeing beyond this third dimension, them working in the spiritual realm while you're working on all your stuff. So it includes all of that, all the shamanistic traditions and that sort of thing, you know, but that doesn't, you know, I mean, say, honestly, you know, say you're a Christian and you want to practice you know, um, ayahuasca medicine, like your sitter, like say they're Christian oriented, you know, and they had interaction with God and maybe some of like disciples, so to speak. And they had messages for you. Like, wouldn't that be great to have somebody or say you are of Krishna consciousness? You know, I've had many people tell me about how they saw Godheads, um, during their, their journeys. It, it, it doesn't matter, I don't think, like, in my head, it doesn't matter, um, because I'm the type of person, like, spirituality is so individual, like, no one, 
can define that for you. So, um, like I really wanted to hop on here and talk about the role of the shaman, but also talk about how it doesn't have to be rigid. It can shape shift. Um, I actually think this is an advantage to Westerners understanding like how, you know, why by holding the basic principles of like preparation, intention, integration, um, holding, you know, uh, close to the dieta and following that through, um, doing integration work, like everything else, like culturally, you know, like how you assign things and, um, you know, that should be on the person who's attending, you know, and they're allowed to come to their own conclusions. Um, but I really do think it's this synergy that happens between the people in the ceremony like there is something there and if you think about it like energy is emotion emotion is energy and you know if you're vibrating at a really like say you you know you're vibrating like at the shame level but by the end you're vibrating at like joy and consciousness above like you are connected there's no way you're not because like i said yesterday you know you just go through a really hard time and then you know you peak up to joy and you went through it with somebody there's no way you're not connected you're like family so um and then wouldn't it be great that you could actually have somebody to go to after ceremony because this is the problem i'm seeing right now with people is that they have nowhere to go they're having these amazing experiences and they have no one to help them integrate you know and it's that is the disconnect right now in the Western culture is that people are seeking out these experiences, but we don't have the cultural foundation for it. Um, and every, a lot of people feel isolated, you know? So those are kind of some of my thoughts on that. And I know that's going to change because I really hope to be a person who trains people on how to help their clients to have discussions about these experiences and how to integrate them because I know for a fact clients are telling their therapists this I mean clients have come to me you know because we have an ayahuasca church in town and they're like Sarai have you ever heard of this and you know I, of course I tell them yes and it's like what what did you experience and I open the door I mean because it's no different than someone coming to tell me that they're suffering and they want to stop doing heroin I mean, we really have to think about it, you know? So what's the difference? Oh, there's stigma around psychedelics. And we have to like drop this stigma. Because so I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my Archangel app again today. I might buy the full version. What do you know? Because it's just so good. So, um, Let me see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I really like this Archangel app. Super inexpensive, too. So, um, what am I going to ask about? Um, hmm. You know, let's just see where it takes us. I'm not too concerned about asking anything because it tells you to close your eyes and ask your angels. But hey, angels, tell us whatever we need to know. 
Okay. Okay. So, divine download. Forewarned is foretold. Archangel Michael is present and asks you to listen to and heed his guidance. It will be delivered as abrupt, uh, definite, intuitive sensations. This shield is symbolically presented to you by Archangel Michael as a powerful tool of protection. As you work more with Archangel Michael, you will attune closely to his guidance and messages. As the great warrior, his priority is to keep you safe and sound at all times. Safety is defined as the condition of being protected against physical, spiritual, social, financial, emotional, occupational, psychological, or other types of consequences of failure, damage, accident, harm, or error of any other event which could be considered non-desirable. Life is busy and the world is fast-paced. At any given moment in time, you can be thinking about um, a multitude of things, jobs to do, deadlines to meet, finding a car to park, what to cook for dinner, and so on. You easily become distracted from the outside world and then miss the angel signs that are delivered to you. As your preoccupation with other things decreases your observation skills. This is where Archangel Michael will step in with a divine download or warning you to uh, or warning to halt you back into reality. He delivers these downloads as definite, abrupt, intuitive sensations. You may suddenly hear or um, you might hear or intuit a single loud word or short statements such as run, stop, turn right, or have a strong, overwhelming feeling to stop, run, or turn right without knowing why. This is Archangel Michael talking to you. Please don't ignore these downloads. It takes immense energy for Archangel Michael to deliver such messages. Know that he is your occupational health and safety officer on hand 24 hours a day. So affirmations, I am safe, secure, and protected. I tune in and act quickly on my guidance. I listen, trust, and act on unexpected guidance from Archangel Michael. So this is... We can, there's a lot of ways to interpret this. First of all, I know not everyone out there kind of is attuned to um, Archangel Michael. But I think overall, like, you know, it's really hard to get lost um, and, like, not feel our intuitive compass or our spiritual compass or our soul compass um, because we have so many other things going on in our lives. And we just lose that part of us that really helps us believe that anything is possible. Um, Because that's where creativity is born. You know, when we're worrying about everything, there's not a lot of, um, there's not too much creativity there. And because our our brains are uh, like gunked up, so to speak. And, um, you know, among ayahuasca there's many things that you can do to reconnect with this part and really one of the things that i would really recommend is just mindfulness and focusing on your breathing and getting in touch with that higher self of yours and you know i just decided yesterday that i'm going to start doing um i am going to start doing youtube videos again i've only done like five but um I've, I've realized that I can pair this up with a, my YouTube channel. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited about that because it is really going to be everything about recovery and addiction. 
um, and just so um, I think I might redo the marketing around it because the last time I started it I actually don't think I was my full authentic self so we might have to change that you know what I'm saying <laughs> um, so by the way, um, you can find me on Instagram at with Sarider Bondi. Um, my Instagram isn't full of ayahuasca stuff. It's full of me plus ayahuasca. Um, I don't, I think that has kind of turned some people off, but mm, I don't really care. <laughs> and then, um, then I also have a spirit of Aya Facebook, um, which I'm trying to, this weekend I need to figure out how to link all these together. Um, because really my goal is to get this conversation out to as many people as possible um, as a way to, you know, be a part of the, the group of people that are contributing to this, um, the people that are part of the psychedelic assisted treatment movement. Um, and tomorrow, what we are talking about is... Let's see. Oh, ayahuasca and reports of sexual misconduct. And this will not be fun for everyone to hear, but this is why it is so important to seriously seek out somebody you feel safe with um, and you know, because there has been reports of sexual misconduct within ceremony. And that really saddens me, but you know, it's, yeah, it totally happens and people are traumatized from the most beautiful things that could be happening because they haven't done their own work, you know, and it's it's not good. Um, so, sorry to leave you on a down note, um, but know that we will get more into this tomorrow and what you can do if you have been a victim of sexual misconduct within an ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, I thank you so much for continuing to listen. It means so much to me. And I love you guys. <laughs>